Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. Another Monday, another us. I am your host, Timuchin, as always, and with us is the usual crew. We have Gally back in the stadium. What's going on, Gally? Not too much. Just another happy old Monday here, waiting for the stupid dog. Yes, we got to talk about uh, Stitch will have some competition in terms of the head of head of American Scouts are over here. And before we even get to our Bickler over here, Alan, well, actually, Alan gave me a good trivia today and I have to share it and ask you guys. But let's first get to Bickler, who we did not get to see eat out of the pot today. So I'm kind of worried. You want to diet or something or? Hunger strike. Just so excited to see someone besides my mouth, uh, besides myself, fall down the social hierarchy of a house. So I'm like watching Galley just slowly get demoted within his own house. And um, just a hunger strike and solidarity, my friend. True, yeah. true story. True story. It is a true story. Now it's like Kelly, the dog, Kelly's fantasy team, and then Galley is, I think, how we're going, right? Or the Peloton much, somewhere in the middle there. <laughs> oh no, the Peloton is well below all of those things, and it's probably somewhere right beneath Galley talking about the Peloton. That's probably the least favorite thing that Kelly has in the whole house. So, let me ask you guys this trivia. I did not even have a trivia ready to go, but Alan suddenly quizzes me out of nowhere sometimes on Facebook. So he sends me this question, and I made one guess, literally just. You know, just guessed uh, through the dart, and apparently I got it dead right, and that happens very rare. So I was like, "Hey, what the hell? I gotta make this a trivia question." Bickler is all right. Way to open it up with a humble brag, Mister. Okay. (laughs) Hey, hey, it happens once in a blue moon, so I gotta make the most of it. So, players named Jones that have played for Liverpool in history. How many players with the name Jones has played a game for Liverpool? Bickler. Well, that shoot away. Four. That is a horrible guess. Okay, but yeah, A for effort. I'm sorry. I don't want to be negative. That was a great guess, Paul. Uh, Galley, what do you have? Uh, well, clearly not four. Um, I'm going to say, first off, I dis, I, I'm losing a little bit of respect for Alan each step of the way. He was one of my favorites. The first in every week, I would always comment, where are you, Alan? Say hi, wave to Alan in Houston. Um, now that and I then know he gets he involved also, in trivia. Yeah. Now that I know he sends in <laughs> trivia questions, Alan, you're off the Christmas list. Um, I'm going to say seven. No, he has joined the dark side, actually, and joined the trivia ranks along with BJ. The answer that I don't know if I mentioned that I got right in the first guess. I don't know if, did I mention that? Okay. Uh, so I got it right with the first guess. The answer was 14. Would you know it? Oh, you got that right with the first guess. Huh? That's impressive. I did. Did I mention that? Yes, I got that right in the first guess. So I made it the trivia question because I, I, I wasn't even going to have trivia for the thing, but... Uh, yeah, and Alan says that question did not come from from my four quiz books. So, you know, there is more where this came from, people. So get ready for the trivia season. Actually, speaking of getting ready, uh, we have a lot of stuff and content coming along the way. The best way to get ready right now is what, Galley? To go to our YouTube page, like, and subscribe. <laughs> 
I felt like a physics teacher. <laughs> <laughs> just like bust. It's like, oh wait, what's uh, me? Yes, go to YouTube. Yes, go to Shuffle YouTube. Paper to read. <laughs> did I? I was gonna say, did I miss the prompt, <laughs> the production meeting, or the teleprompter? The answer is no to all three of those things. That's what a good friend does to another friend on a podcast. <laughs> there are no friends in this podcast. Yeah, Timuchin's okay. being a real jerk. We're only like five minutes in. I know, I know. This is going to be a fun one. I can already tell. So let's uh, get to some of the transfer stuff and talk a little bit about that. Uh, I know we kind of like talked about the fact that we're going to review some of the younger guys and see what their roles are going to be, but this is kind of like a more of a recent topic that came out throughout the week, probably for more from like most camp. And I know it really gets galley going in terms of wage demands that they had and, you know, what Liverpool, and these are all allegedly supposedly offered and stuff like that. What do you make of that whole 350, 450 conversation in terms of salary? First of all, uh, well, yeah, it does make my blood boil a little bit. And the biggest reason that it makes me frustrate it is these are the types of paper leaks that are only released by a player's side. It only helps the conversation if the public knows that Liverpool set a price and Mo has declared that he's not going to take it. Uh, I, I didn't love him outwardly saying I'll absolutely play out my contract and leave on a free if I have to next year. I thought that was like a threat earlier in the summer. I really didn't like that after the Champions League final. I haven't really liked the way Mo's handled this since basically AFCON. I think up until then, it was a straight negotiation. But with 18 months left, you either make concessions and you start to make reasonable demands that start conversations. And I understand all the stuff about open market and fair price, but at some point enough is enough. And it's unfortunate. It looks like if he leaves, it will probably be at no fee. And that's really unfortunate, even though we've gotten an amazing amount out of the investment we made in Mosul. Yeah. Cause that seems to be like, if we can agree, I mean, he flat out said he's going to be here. He wants to be here next year and stuff. So unless we make a move to sell him in January or whatever, I don't see us doing anything over the summer, especially with losing money and everything like that. But how about you, Bickler? Are you, I mean, first off, I guess let's start with this. Would you even consider paying him a 450 based on his, you know, contribution and what he means to the team? Absolutely not. And I know that he's built differently than a lot of players. And I think that he probably will have a lot more pro uh, productivity into his thirties. than you would typically see from a front three player whose game is predicated on pace. I think you probably will get more productivity out of him. But the bottom line is like, I don't know. I don't necessarily believe that he's looking for 450. Um, to me, that's really hard to reconcile when you look at a couple of things like a, he said like halfway through this last season that he wasn't asking for anything crazy to me. That's fucking crazy. When you look at what this club has historically done with wages and B, like on that same note, if he's going to ask for 450, he has to know, like the way that you negotiate is you at least put yourself in the ballpark. If he's asking for 450, he's firmly got himself on the other side of the fence to start the negotiation, which is not what you want to do in this situation because this club has made it very clear that everything is going to be within the framework and the structure of the club. And the structure of the club 
tops out around in the threes, depending on who you're at and what you're doing. And like, there's just no way that this club is ever going to bend in that way. And they shouldn't, we're going to get a 22 year old on a six year deal. Who's going to be a fraction of that cost. And it'll be just as good in three years because we don't miss on transfers. How about you, Gally? I mean, you got to figure the, I'm assuming you're going to find 450 up there too. Do you do 400? Let me, let me, let me do Mo's agent with you. Like, what are you paying Mo? Do you want to give him 400 or do you want to cap it up at 350? What do you want to do? I mean, are, are we talking a two year deal at 375? Maybe that's two, three year deal. You can't go much longer. And that's the issue. Mo does want, he can say all he wants. I would consider a two year deal that he wants a three to five year contract at 300 or at 400 to 500,000 pounds a week. I mean, he basically wants a 75 to $90 million investment. And I don't think you can do that at his age, regardless of his build and shape. So for me, it's got to be highly bonus and incentive laden with a lot of things and metrics he can hit. But I think it's in the 375 to maybe 400 absolute tops. And the only way that is, is it's real short money. It's literally a two year extension to the one year he has left at 400,000 a week. And maybe then the bonuses aren't as big because you can't have both. Like that's the other thing you negotiate by give and take. And I haven't seen anything that Mo's given outside of the goals and assists, which is what you pay for. But there's nothing in this negotiation that feels like it's two sided. And I don't think FSG does business this way. In fact, we've seen and know they don't do business this way. Yeah, I think like most people don't understand that it's not just you just not looking at Mo. I think that's like the biggest misconception out there. Like people think, well, you know, look at all the goals and stuff like that and pay him, not considering that that has to reflect on everybody else on the roster. So all these people that are probably getting 200 next thing they know, you know, they're going to be bumping it up. So going back to what Galley was talking about. And by the way, Michael Martin says, I don't think he's a mercenary. I think it's just poor negotiation skills. And I agree. I mean, I don't know because of his agents or ultimately it's more like an ego thing where similar to money, it's not just about the money. It's about, you know, being paid at almost like getting the respect via money or something like that. But Bickler, how much of a factor is the age with you? Because Galley like talked about it. His age, like if he was 26, would you be like, give him the 400? Or the, I mean, because he has been durable. But then again, that'll Yeah, I mean, I think you. if he was like, I just think that changes the entire conversation if you're talking about a 26-year-old. I mean, you're talking about a player in his prime with two contract windows left. Versus somebody basically playing for their last big contract. Um, I think it changes the conversation entirely. I don't know if I go as high as 400 because like you're talking about, like, I mean, you look at, let's look at Trent. Let's look at Rabo. Let's look at Fabinho. Let's look at Ali. I mean, all those players are considered some of the best in their, in the world, their position. And they're all going to make the argument. They should be paid. Like they're the best in the world. Do you know what I mean? And like, that's a fair argument, but like the, I mean, this is, this is how sustainable winning is built. Like you do things that are in the realm that strengthen the core of an entire side. And you're not going to handcuff yourself financially to one player because you're going to like, it's like you're essentially playing and strengthening one position to hurt eight others in that case. Like, and I think in this, in this scenario, like 
you're looking to how can I lock in the core of this group? And that's why you saw all those extensions for Trent and our key young players earlier last year going in to this year, because we knew like, this is the big window. I mean, we essentially have um, the entire starting 11 between last summer and next summer expiring. So um, I just don't, I don't know if I go as high as 400 um, right now. And, you know, if he was 26, I mean, maybe that would be a different conversation, but then you got to make, you got to make a real, you got to take a really hard look at what that does for the rest of the squad. Um, and I know no one wants to talk about wage structure, but it's a real, it's a real thing. It, it just also, it, when it comes, sorry, but when it comes to the age, when it comes to the age, it also really comes down to the fact that you can resell. So you're investing with the idea that there's a selling pr sell on price. So when you buy a 24 year old, you have the idea that you can sell them on. So you pay a little more, but you make 30, 40 million like we did for money, or maybe even 60 or 70 selling a Mo Salah right now at 30 years old, you'd get 50 million for him. And if he had another year left on his contract, we would have got two. So I think that doesn't get talked about enough when wage structure isn't the sexy conversation, but it's not just buying young, cheap players to sell high. It's buying players that have any value at the end to make the selling process, you know, the sustainable business model that Paul was referring to. So I just don't think that gets talked about enough either. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, all this makes me respect what Mane did even more. I mean, it's a bummer that we lost him and he was like one of my favorites, but you know, he made himself clear and maybe like Bickler said, he kind of like, you know, by his demands, knowing he's not going to get it. He kind of set it up to be able to get that transfer, but there wasn't a lot of this drama. I know we made a huge deal of him, you know, talking right before the final and stuff like that. But I mean, most thing has been dragging on for months and months and months. And it's almost like he can't get enough of talking about it to media. And I know he's constantly being asked, but I mean, holy cow, like do it a bit behind the scenes. I think it almost makes it, Hey, if this thing gets done, and he signs for like two years, three years, whatever. No one will ever talk about, oh, like this whole drama behind the contract. But I don't know. To me, especially like at least personally, it makes me respect Mane more in terms of how he went about his business. So looking at your crystal ball, Bickler, how do you see this unfolding? I think he's going to play out his contract and leave at the end of next year. You okay with that? Yeah, I am. I mean... I would like him to resign. I mean, in a perfect world, I would love to resign, uh, Mo. But I think my mind says that that he cares more about this final contract than he does about staying at Liverpool, and that kind of breaks my heart. But I also just am choosing to look at it as he came in and he accomplished anything any footballer could want to accomplish uh, outside of maybe the balloon door, which he maybe doesn't think he's ever going to win. Um, and I think. I think that like I think the sad thing for me is that for Mo, I think it's gonna hurt his legacy because I think he could stay and finish out Liverpool at, like at the top of his game and still get a short move at the end of his career. Um, but I think that he's gonna take money and go to like there's like only like five clubs that could even enter this discussion in terms of who could possibly pay him in that in that wage range. And I think he's going to go there. And I don't think any of those teams really play a style that suits him. I mean, I think that he is a combination of incredible elite talent, but in a system that really plays to a lot of his strengths. And I don't think he's going to get that same um, 
set of circumstances, whether it's tactical or, or just system in general around him. And that's a good conversation is, I mean, obviously he's a great player uh, and he has certain skills that, you know, very rare players possess. And I've seen like, you know, in terms of like watching him, he's does some things that, you know, I've, and trust me, I've seen a lot of it over these goddamn years. So, I mean, like not a lot of players can do, uh, but how much of that is a product of the system, do you think, Gally, in terms of what he brings? I mean, I think the system has been built around his strengths the same way the system's been built around Trent's strengths. I think the the fact that they play as well as they do together has helped Mo. The fact that Bobby is the type of center forward and that Jurgen has continuously through Mo's you know, most prolific times, Bobby was in the center of the pitch and in the center of a lot of all the good things happening for Mo, both with space and with, you know, actual assists and by creating play. And I think that that, that has aided him to have the prolific numbers that he has. If you're asking me if I believe Mo Salah becomes Mo Salah staying at Roma, the answer is no, it wouldn't have happened. He was put on a pitch with better players and this time around, unlike the time at Chelsea, he was able to both grab a hold of a role and flourish in it. And I think he has a manager and a setup that helps that. I also believe he's been the best player on the pitch most of the time he's been here. But unfortunately, this is too close to the end of a contract for him to resign. And it's going to be unfortunate when he leaves. But I don't believe he'll be playing here after the end of next season. So you're saying he's going on a free as well? Yep. And the same question to you. Are you okay with that? I'm not okay with it from a business standpoint. Um, we're this deep into it. We can't get rid of him in the same summer that we get rid of Mane, even though we bought Nunez, even if we spent wisely. I don't think there's a fee out there that's worth it when you take back the player that you'll take in and the loss. So I think you just take a loss on the financial side of it. You hope you win some more trophies and then, you know, you move on in the summer and and you prepare your recruitment now. So how about this question? Do you think, Bickler, that the addition of Nunez or like the new outlook has any does it play any parts in Mo's decision at all, or is it just basically about money and the contracts? He figures everything else will be worked out by his I don't think the I don't think the incoming players have anything to do with it. I, I don't think they're I don't think they're really related. Um, I think that this was always going to be the scenario. Um, I think they were probably looking for some depth across the board um, in terms of like I think that Nunez's addition has more to do with the fact that Bobby's got limited legs on him at this point, um, and I think that you know. You saw with Jota, you know, he's not always available in that central spot. And if Bobby's hurt, like I think they wanted to look at the future. Um, and so but I think you, uh, maybe I didn't ask for either Fraser, right? Do you think, you know, in terms of Mo, the way Mo looks at it, do you think it makes a difference? Does Mo say, you know what, let me play out the contract, go somewhere else next year, get the big contract? Because, you know, compared to having somebody like Bobby, who's always going to put other players ahead of himself instead of getting the goals and stuff like that, you just took a goal scorer to the middle now. Do you think that has any bearing for Mo? Does he look at that at all? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, I mean, Nunes is going to take a while to bet in in general anyway. And I think, 
I mean, maybe I, I still think there's going to be a formation change, but I think that Mo is the type of person that thinks that he can play and be a star anywhere in any position in any formation. And I think that he truly believes that he's a, he's a superstar regardless of what you put around him. And yeah, I mean, I hope it does get resolved and we do sign him meet somewhere in the middle. And I know, you know, going back to the way structure, something somehow like being worked. I thought that's why 350 number that was thrown out there was more than fair. And you can still put like the bonuses and stuff like that. Like we were, you Gala was talking about earlier. And, I mean, I think I'm okay with him leaving on a free because um, I kind of have faith in Mo and his ambition and commitment where he's not going to play it like it's his last season. He wants to win things. He's very committed to getting certain numbers and thresholds and stuff like that. But let's hope it gets worked out freaking soon because I'll be honest, I'm just kind of gets tired of like, you know, reading the same Different take uh, people put on like Facebook groups and stuff like that over and over again. It's ultimately the same take. And it's kind of like a lack of understanding of how like the wages and stuff work as well. But so let me ask you guys this in time to uh, bring Michael Martin, I guess, because he was like, let me know when we get to the Pulisic talk, which is my freaking favorite conversation, Galley. Uh, hopefully just freaking rumors. Please tell me this is just rumors of Pulisic coming over. Make me help me sleep at nights because I am really not keen on it. So I don't believe that they should do this. I don't believe they will do this. Depending on the price, do I think they would consider doing it? I do. They, they, you know, they definitely have um, marketing ties inside their football minds as well. Uh, they know what having a player like Pulisic, if he was healthy and playing well for the club, would mean. But He'd be the fifth or sixth. I mean, if you're telling me that Christian Pulisic comes in and plays the Taki Origi role and it's 25, 30 million, which is about what his rate would be, maybe even less, I I could see why they would be interested in it because when he plays, his numbers are actually very good. And he actually played a lot more matches in the last two years than it comes across when you actually look at all Chelsea's matches. But I don't I think this is a non-starter because I think this is the type of paper talk that happens when people don't have anything to write and talk about uh, because Jurgen Klopp has made it clear that he was a huge fan of Pulisic when he was a kid and tried to sign him once at Liverpool. He's made that clear. So people just put two and two together and figure he'd want him again. How about you, Paul? Are we getting Captain America? I mean, I, at this point, does it really have as much of a marketing value unless he plays like, I don't know, Mo? I mean, I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. I don't get like, I don't get why we'd want that. I don't get why he'd want it as a player because I mean, he's what? not going to, he's like, I mean, he can start for most clubs. He's not going to start for Liverpool. And it's such a clear exactly. step down. Like if he's your answer to right wing depth between, you know, the, the bridge to Cade Gordon, if Gordon ends up panning out, like it's such a clear step down to me. Like I just, and that's not like, Look, anyone after Mo is going to be a step down. Okay. Like, let's be honest. But, like, I just think there are so many better options in that price range. Because if you want to go out and get a big money, like, if you want to put some money down, go get a Jerry Bowen who's got at least going to be a homegrown player. Go, go, I mean, go take a shot at Rafina, which has got the Brazilian connection and still young. Like, um, it doesn't have the durability issues. I just think there are so many other options out there that make more sense to me. 
from a business right. standpoint on the field versus like caring about who gets put on a poster in America. And like, I, I just don't think it makes sense for us as a club. I don't think it makes sense for him as a player either. I think that's not the biggest part. I don't see why he would find it attractive. I mean, the only, I guess, case that can be made is the fact that a, like if he's going to play on the right hand side, with most contract situation, thinking a year after that he could be Mo kind of thing, or the fact that he really, really wants to go back to work with Klopp. But I don't know. I mean, I hope to God. Like I say, his injury track record is not the best. So why put your eggs in that basket? I guess it goes back to the value, like Gally was saying, in terms of how much it would be. If it's twenty million, you're gonna roll the dice. But I highly doubt that's what you know they will be looking for for that. If Chelsea's offered Manchester City 35 million for Sterling with a year or two left on his contract, you they can't very well be asking much. You can't go saying I want 45 for Christian Pulisic after you just bid 35 million on Sterling. And, and I'm not saying Sterling is the greatest you know player in the world, but he is he is above Jared Bowen and Pulisic both in things accomplished and play on the pitch and you see it when he plays actually with like Harry Kane in England and actually plays with better players you know when Sterling is given a role in a big spot if you told me I had to take a flyer on someone I'd tell you to hold your nose and offer 40 million for Sterling and see if you couldn't steal him because he'd make more sense bringing in honestly than Pulisic would for me and I would still vomit in a bag probably just like you would if we signed Captain America. I sure would. Let's talk about bringing people back, Bickler. Genie calls and says, take me back. Does he, does That's a no for me, dog. Uh, <laughs> look, look, dude, like, I feel like we did this for four fucking years with Philip Coutinho. Can we just let players move on? Hey, it's like, the new thing, man. Now we're talking Genie. <laughs> you know what's funny is, like, I, I did this thing where I pulled, like, our transfers out since Jurgen Klopp came on board. Not a single, not a single fucking player on that entire list since Klopp came on that has gone out, has gone on and done better outside of Liverpool. There's not a single player on that list where I was like, oh, he, you know, I mean, I think you could probably make the case for somebody like Suso or Alberto before Klopp was here. And they, they had good careers in Italy, both of them. But like, there's not a single player on that list that we've let go and has gone out and just killed it. Now, Genie, like, look, I mean, I think it's because it's so fresh in our memory. He's only got a year on him. He didn't play a whole lot this year. Um, they, you know, the French media was had a field day with him. Uh, he's had a rough go and he had an integral part in our team. But like, I mean, I just think, I don't know, man. I, I think that Klopp is very much a, a a guy who closes a chapter and opens a new one. I don't think he, I, I don't think he revisits things i don't think he's big on sequels um and I, I just think that he'd much rather go get a younger player that he can work on uh versus somebody he's already had and michael martin says that's the list that mo needs to look at so just forward yep. that sheets over to mo so he can take a peek at it but i galley i mean this is kind of like almost when we talk about Pulisic, we're saying i mean does it even make sense for him this almost semi makes sense for genie except you know would he even want to come back saying yeah i should have never left i mean these guys have obviously after you know years of being pros at the top level have some kind of an ego where it takes a lot to come back and say i was wrong take me back 
Yeah, so one no for me. It's a hard no, you know, pass, left, whatever you want to say. Because And here's the thing. I'll probably say this, and like usual, I'll make a grand proclamation that I tried to look up and verify today, and it'll probably get debunked and proven wrong next week. Um, I'm pretty sure Klopp has never had a player that he let go, come back and play for him at the exact same club. So, And that's what this situation would be. It would be after only one year. And I just... I'm with both you guys on that. I don't think it's happening. As far as Genie, of course Genie would want to come back. I mean, his options are like literally going back to Newcastle because they can afford the wages or willing to pay a loan fee. And Arsenal, which is just trying to stockpile as many different players as they can, which then they'll just get maniacally angry when Arteta just plays a bunch of his youngsters, which are all better than all the aging veterans they're basically stockpiling on their bench. So it doesn't make any sense for me why he would come to Liverpool. If he came to the Premier League, maybe a team like Tottenham in a, in a Conte-type system, he could play like a workhorse engine man role maybe. But I just don't see him playing at a top level in England, and I'm pretty sure that's why they didn't offer him a lot of money for a lot of years. I think he would have the ability. I just don't think it's not the most – Attractive position to him either. So that I want to get to the young guys now and talk a little bit about that. But, you know, we've been talking for the last maybe like month or so with the signings that are happening with Nunez interest and now official Nunez transfer, you know, like talking about a formation of 4-2-3-1. And we know Genie is not really big on that defensive role anyway. And if anything, that's where we would need more depth, not the parts that's like more like the attacking mid that Genie normally likes playing. So let's get to that. Alamona says keep Genie in the bottle. And I think we kind of all agree with that. Not that I would mind it as depth, but I don't know if it adds anything or if it would be something that would make me excited is probably not the right word, but more about like happy or optimistic that like we really added value or something good to the team. So let's get to some of these young kids and I want to get your guys take on what you guys expect coming up this season. And I guess further, let's start with Curtis Jones first. One of the 14 did I mention that I got that freaking dead on rights? Like 14 just pulled it to that trivia. Okay. So Curtis Jones was one of them, Bickler. Uh, where do you see, how do you see his role moving forward? I mean, we've seen enough of him now to kind of have like a good sampling. I mean, I think the question should be out of the 14 Joneses, where would you put him on the list in terms of the hierarchy? Do you want me to give you the list? Yeah. No, you don't. Trust me. Some of them are really old. That you know, even older than me. So that's freaking old. So, okay. <laughs> where do you see Jones playing? Oh man, um, I'm sorry for the huge pregnant pause, but Jones is so frustrating for me because I mean, like a lot of these guys, comes out lights the world on fire, um, and I think he has his moments. He just struggles with his defensive assignments big time in that midfield, not such a big part of that four, three, three system. Um, I think, you know, I think that maybe he benefits if we switch to a four, two, three, one with some time out wide on the left. Um, but I, I, I think really like, I think he's going to be a rotational player. And I think honestly, I think maybe this is the year where we really look at whether a move for him is in his best interest. Um, and I know that's insane considering the fact that like 
I feel like 24 months ago we were talking about him like as being one of the up and coming premier talents in the midfield in England. Uh, but I just think the system doesn't really suit him um, in terms of his strengths. It seems like a, a little bit of an in-betweener in a lot of ways. Um, and I don't know that I've seen enough growth from him. So it's going to be a big year for Curtis for sure in terms of what whether he beds in and ends up making this his future or moves. I think my biggest frustration with Curtis comes from, apart from like the defensive duties, I almost feel like when he does get to opportunity, like we, there's a bunch of players, right? The squad is deep. It's a quality squad. So you're not going to get a lot of chances. So like somebody like Taki, for example, when they come on the field, you know, I don't get the sense that they're trying above and beyond kind of like going out of the system and going out of themselves to show their value. I almost get the sense maybe because of his style uh, or how long sometimes he hangs on to the ball and tries to almost. I used to say that about Keita all the time when he would get rare opportunities that he would almost try to force some passes and thread the ball in instead of playing within the system. Is that just an age thing? First of all, I guess, do you agree with that, Ali? Or is that just an age thing? Or it's just the style? I mean, he wants more. Like I say, he does not play as fast as, for example, I know Hendo is not as skilled on the ball and doesn't have the fancy moves that Curtis does, but the ball moves a lot faster, which this midfield demands. Yeah, so to the great questions. To, to those points, one, I don't think it's just an age thing because I think we've seen it in younger players who don't do it when it's not in their their makeup. I think it's in his DNA to be a highlight reel, to be a showboat player. My bet is he was the kid who was the most talented and the trickster and who liked all the playing, all the tricks in the park and did the small touches and, you know, and, and, and liked a little shit talking because he looks like a shit talker, right? You see him with the bandana after they win the title. He acted like he like literally won the Premier League title himself on the pitch. And I don't blame him. I probably would have fucking too. But <laughs> I've been probably the most critical of him at times, especially early um, of his defensive lapses. And I'll just say it here. I don't think he's good enough. Like if a good bid came in now for 25, 30 million from someone because he's English and he's young, I'd take it because I don't think he's Connor Gallagher and I don't think he's, you know, James Madison even. And that's the type of player we're talking about him being like a number 10, an advanced forward attacking mid, a attacking player on the left. And he hasn't shown enough in this system that it's going to work. And I just feel like there's another player that, there's value in, but the longer you leave him sitting on the bench and getting older, I think the less price you'll be able to ask. Paul said earlier, we haven't had a player leave that has succeeded. And I actually agree with him outside of maybe Solanke. He didn't succeed to 29 million, but he helped Bournemouth come up. He was their leading goal scorer last year. And the only reason I say he's a success is he's still a starter on a team and he's not playing in a lower division and he's helped his team progressed to the Premier League. Maybe that's a good one. And maybe the uh, Iwoni kid or whatever that went over to Germany that looks like he's coming right back to the Premier League. But those are like, they never did anything with our club. But I, I'm not sure if Jones leaves were ever worried about what he did when he went to Villa or Crystal Palace, to be honest. 
see, to play the devil's advocate now, because you didn't mention the Gallagher, and I don't think this would happen, but is that maybe what he needs, Bickler, alone, where he can kind of play more of a main role and kind of like run the midfield as opposed to getting occasional opportunities to kind of like show himself or show his I mean, I think that probably honestly makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, alone somewhere in, in the mid tier to lower tier of the table, I think probably does make a ton of sense for a player like him. And I mean, it's essentially what, you know, Chelsea did with Gallagher and that's worked wonders. And I mean, like worst case scenario, he doesn't do a whole lot. He doesn't damage his value a whole lot anyway. And it just comes back. Best case scenario, he lights the world on fire like Gallagher and he either beds into your team or you sell him for a handsome sum. So yeah, I think, uh, I think a loan probably makes a good bit of sense for him, especially because he doesn't seem to necessarily have uh, like a home position. That's a natural role for him in the side. I mean, I love his like self-confidence. I mean, like Gally was saying, like those moves and stuff like that. I mean, it does not look one thing I like about it when I watch him is some players do that stuff, and you can kind of tell they are trying to do that stuff. With Curtis, I get the sense that it's part of his game. And like similar to Bobby, like they're not thinking of I mean, we've all played against guys who are going out of their way to make a move, and it's not mm -hmm. their natural flow of movement. Whereas with Curtis, I get that sense that it is his natural flow, and that's how he plays, that that's his thing. He's, He's like got a, a little street ball in him for sure. Right? Like he kind of yeah. looks like a Brazilian player. That's not Brazilian. Like if it was Brazilian, I don't think that stuff would – you know, pop as much because we'd be like, well, he's Brazilian uh, because he's like, you know, not. I think it kind of like sticks out more that he's like, I mean, I don't want to say showboating, but he's kind of like doing those moves and stuff. But um, I mean, I just don't see us on this, especially the situation we have overall in midfield, as well as, you know, it sounds good to have that loan deal for him to get some great opportunity for Curtis kind of deal. Uh, I just don't see it happening either. So hopefully either he gets some chances this season and proves us wrong and just like grabs it. Sometimes it's just a matter of opportunity. I really think the kid has a lot of skill. If he stops trying to kind of like duplicate that goal against Everton two times a game, I think we're going to be in good shape. Like if he plays within himself, I think that's what we need. So let's go to somebody else who started kind of a different scenario where I – don't think any of us saw this coming beginning of the season in terms of like, you know, how he would start and how big of a role he would play. His situation is not drop of form, obviously the injury. So Gally, let's start with you on this one. Uh, how do you see like Harvey's role moving forward? You know, I, I wish we could have saw what would have happened had the Leeds injury not occurred um, because, you know, the, two big starts early, the key performances, the way the manager was talking about him in the midfield, it looked like it was his job to lose, uh, which is pretty amazing. And it would have been great to see his maturity. Now he came back and he was semi healthy and he contributed for a little bit, had even that big um, start in the champions league, but then you know, just fell off the map. So did he fall off the map because they noticed things in training and they thought maybe he's not a hundred percent healthy or were they worried about his energy levels? Was it fitness or did he just fall out of form? So I think it's, this is a big year for Harvey. You know, he too has to find a role and his actual spot in the side is, you know, 
would he be your number 10? Is he playing as a backup on the right in a four, two, three, one? He's not one of the two deep lying players. So, you know, he's one of those top four. So where does he fit in? Um, I think this is a really, really, really big time for, for Harvey Elliott. And I'm hopeful that at the beginning of the year, he'll play a lot. Cause I think he'll be a sub in the four, three, three, to be honest, before we transition to the new formation. How about you, Paul? Like, do you see him more in that midfield role where he was? But if we do end up changing the formation, is he like Mo's backup for now? Yes and yes. I think he plays in the mids. I think he is Mo's backup in a 4-2-3-1. I don't think he plays up top in a 4-3-3. Um, I think he's got more time than Curtis Jones on his side. And I think he's got a hell of a lot more promise and a better header on his shoulders. Probably not fair to say because I don't know Curtis uh, personally, but I just get that impression. Um, and I think I think Harvey's an interesting player because I think he's a player that probably – has a lot to show centrally that we haven't seen just in based on where he's played traditionally through the Academy setups all the way in through his, his championship experience. And I think it's very interesting because I think he's got a lot of what Carvalho has. Um, but I think he's a better passer than Car Carvalho. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see um, how that plays out. But I think a four, two, three, one solves a lot of issues for us and gets minutes for players that I think need minutes in the system. So I'll be super, super interested to see this come out. If we play a straight four, three, three for the entire year, um, I'll be a little bit disappointed, but more importantly, I'll just be absolutely shocked because the pieces are there for a four, two, three, one um, just in general um, across the board. And I think that would definitely help a player like him. Um, I, I think it just would help the side in general. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that midfield is where his his future is. I think, man, if he can get minutes in a 10, I think that would be phenomenal for him. I think it'd be really, really special to see. Yeah, with Carvalho coming in, that almost like adds one more person to that mix. So, Gally, if you had to take a guess, who gets more minutes this season, Curtis or Harvey? I would guess Harvey because I think he does more. I think he has more roles. And I think in the positions he'll end up playing, there's less people to back up um, the spots. I think Curtis is too buried between Tiago, Hendo, and Keita to start. That's a good point. I guess it really depends on the formation we end up with as well. What do you say, Bickler? Yeah, I think Harvey will get more minutes just in terms of, like, for all the reasons Gally mentioned. Um, I think that Man, I you know what's what's crazy is we talk about Harvey, but I think Harvey's a better defender too. I think Harvey does more work. Um, I think he's Harvey. got better. I think he's got better awareness. Um, I think he's just got a higher higher game IQ in terms of knowing where to be positionally and how to read things. And and yeah, I think for me it's got to be Harvey. And from yeah, what I, I hear, oh, from what I hear in the local nightlife scene here in Boston, Harvey is a god among men because he found a way to not be caught on social media drinking any alcohol smoking any cigarettes or basically hanging with any scantily clad women and all of the back page like dirty water papers were basically like this kid came to town and ripped it up like a superstar but never got tagged anywhere the only thing they ever saw was him pouring that beer at Carragher's and then Carragher's put out a post that you only have to be 18 to pour alcohol in New York City 
but you got to be 21 to drink it. And don't worry, we didn't let Harvey have any drinks tonight. So good on that lad for living up his holiday here in New England. I was going to say, I saw him like with a bunch of like Boston Celtics people too. I know that's going to be a sore spot for you there, Gally. But yeah, it happens. Well, I mean, you could be a Lakers fan like me. So it, it only gets worse. But or you could be unannounced like Bickler over here when it comes to the NBA. Yep, exactly. Unannounced. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> the silence says it all. Okay. Go Pistons. <laughs> so, I mean, the thing with Harvey is one thing I really liked seeing last year and extremely disappointing when he got injured was I really liked what they had going with him, Mo, and Trent on that side when he was playing. And it looked like, man, this could be something to go on for years because we weren't talking that much about formation change at the time. But it looked like, man, we could have something really special here as young as those two are. And well, at the time, at least we thought Mo was going to be around for a while. Uh, but it would be interesting to see what role he plays. And if we do, I guess, get the formation change that we're kind of like almost like anticipating seeing here and there. So going back to young kids, we did not talk about this and. Honestly, aside from, you know, what I read about him, you guys know how I feel about these YouTube videos and, you know, what they show about a player and stuff like that. Uh, we did finally get an actual right back backup, um, which kind of like, I guess, signals that Nico will not be with us. Um, what do you say about the Ramsey move there, Galley? So uh, you guys know I watch the matches with a good group of guys. Some of them are from overseas. A few of them are Scottish. And I asked one of them the other day. And he said that his brother is an Aberdeen fan. And as soon as the, the like talk of him signing came up, he was like, you're signing the perfect player. He's not a perfect player yet. But ultimately, he is like their diamond in a rough They've been grooming this kid. He's been a youth product through their, their ranks. They love him. He's creative. He came up at 18. He played in some huge matches. He scored a couple goals that are both crackers. I know you'll have to watch YouTube to see it. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a real – I mean, the kid's supposed to be all the skills. They handed him number 22 for his unveiling, which basically means you're a first-team player before you sign a contract at 18 years old. So I think he walks in, you know, the backup right back. I do think it'll take a little bit, but I think we got a really, really good player. And this is a perfect opportunity of buying a young player. And if he turns out to be a gem, you sell him for a ton of money. You know, this, this could be a steal. And going kind of like to the earlier conversation, Paul, does that kind of mean that we decided Nico is never going to be good enough or almost like too good of a backup? Which one do you take that as that we move on and get Ramsey instead? So Kapot answers, I think he's both. And I say both because I think he's not good enough in terms of what we demand defensively out of that position. And I think that he's good enough that in his situation, he wants caps for national team consideration. So he needs to be playing elsewhere. Um, this Ramsey kid, I mean, listen, like I don't like doing the whole thing where we get on YouTube and we watch 10-minute clips of his any great moment he's had in the entire season and we see it in a 10-minute clip and think he's the next Messiah. After a couple beers, I had this genius idea. Like I normally have all my good ideas, and I like looked up and watched, found a full match 
Aberdeen match on YouTube of them playing hearts. And let me tell you, this kid at like 18 was straight up dominating the right side of the field. And I mean, not just like, I mean, I think everyone talks about how he's like an offensive powerhouse, but he was straight up just like throw like ragdolling dudes, like just throwing them down in the Scottish leagues, a rough league anyway. Um, the other thing that struck me as interesting with Ramsey is that he's like authentically and sincerely a two footed player. I mean, he like two of his goals, like a two to three goals that I saw came from a left footed shot cutting in from the right. And that's like, just, we don't, we don't see that in the arsenal on, on our team. Like we don't have a whole lot of players. I mean, Mo does that, right? Mo comes in and bangs it in on his left, but you don't see Trent doing that. I mean, you'll see Trent slot some some through balls in that way, but he doesn't wind up with his left. I mean, he's got. I mean, I just. I mean, that's what struck me is is the the raw material is there for sure. I'm sure Jurgen's just absolutely like crawling out of his skin, waiting for this kid. So, yeah, man, that's an excite. That's. I mean, we all talk about how we needed right back cover, but I mean, that's a legitimately exciting addition to this team. I'm not even going to get into the conversation of, you know, because obviously the natural flow of the conversation is going to go to, does this mean eventually chance will go to mid and stuff? We'll leave that conversation for no. another day. But Don't in terms it. of like, you know, like Nico and obviously some of the outgoings, we talked about Ox on last week's podcast and stuff. Um, does this mean that we're not going to get – the fact that these signings have not happened yet or there is nothing like very concrete except maybe for like Taki seems to be, you know, like the amount is set and stuff like that. Does that mean we're not going to get what we're looking for and might end up keeping a guy like, for example, Ox or somebody like that, Galley, or is it just a matter of big names going first and then these guys come next? I think, honestly, a player like Ox goes if Ox wants to go. This is that thing about Jurgen, right? He doesn't force players who have contracts out of the club, which is probably why we're losing more players on a free than other clubs are, even though it's becoming a trend all over Europe that players are just running down their contract, taking max money. Um, so I think that <clears throat> Nat will get sold. I believe Nico will get sold. And I think Taki will be sold. From there... I think it will take a decent offer and a good opportunity to steal the phrase for Ox to leave. No, but I, I think, I think Ox, but I think Ox wants that opportunity. It's not about us. We'd sell him to fucking Southampton and be like, go back where you started, figure this shit out again. You know, go to Arsenal, go to Tottenham, go to West Ham, go wherever else in London will take you. We don't give a shit. Go party somewhere else. I mean, he's on 200 grand a week. He doesn't play, and he has one year left on his deal. So, you know, he's going to walk on a free. So I'd feel like you'd want to recoup some funds. But I think it's hard to move a guy like Ox because he has this idea that if he gets a chance, he'll succeed because he has. So it's, you know, good on him for trying. I hope he moves on. And now he's taking because he's getting married. So he was posting it on Instagram. Like I think it was yesterday. Day she makes more money than him. So maybe then he can give some of his wages to a Milner and like sign a different contract. I mean, does that make it even harder to sell him than Paul? Because he's on those wages and he might not be as keen to go himself. Obviously, any club that is interested in him knows all these two. Or now they're going to watch this and find out if they didn't know. Uh, I don't think it makes him hard. I don't think the wages that he's on 
now makes it harder for him to move because like, like Gally said, it's going to be his decision on whether he moves or not anyway. Right. So like if he wants to move, he's a smart enough lad. He'll figure out that he needs to come down to like 125, 150. Shit. Coutinho just came down from 365 to 125. Wait, no. Should we bring back Coutinho? No, Coutinho is making Coutinho is making over Coutinho is making over four hundred and went down to one twenty five. Like so, I mean, which is just like mind boggling. But it says everything you need to know about like when you're at that point in the career and you need to make a move in your best interest and you are invested in bettering your career in a way where you want to play, you make concessions. And so I think either way, if if Ox gets to that point where he cares about playing and wants to be in the mix. He's going to make that concession regardless of where he's at now. So, um, I mean, I'm with Galley on this one. I, I like Ox. I think he's a great character, but I, I want to see him. He needs to be somewhere where he can play. Um, and it's just like we don't have a – There's he's too far down the depth chart. There's not a natural role he fits into it tactically into the side. Um, I mean, he just it, – it's time for a change for both parties. Um, and I, I kind of hope for his sake that he makes that move and is just not sitting on the sideline unless you're watching. I made every single recommendation for him in London basically to go to, except for the one he should go to. He should go to Crystal Palace, play under Vieira, an Arsenal-like player who likes a little bit of flair and lets midfielders drive and do pace, and he can help fill in because you know Gallagher's not going to be there and they're going to need a player. And if Crystal Palace doesn't want to pay $10, 15000000 million for Ox and then drop him on like 140 a week or 125 then they're morons because he'd help that side. He'd help that side up the table a lot more than he'll help himself sitting in the fifth, sixth, seventh row behind the rest of the players who are given one of these every single time that they have a match. Yep, no longer great opportunities for Ox, I'm afraid. So time to be wrong, Gally. Do you expect anything happening over the next week? Incoming or outgoing? I'm going to say outgoing, and I'm going to say Nico is sold, and I'll even throw it in there. Nico is sold to Southampton, making Fulham hopefully spend more money on buying Phillips. Damn, man, he not only, like, guessed, he just, like, gave, like, not, like throw out, like, budgets and stuff. What do you have there, Bickler? Time to be wrong. Yeah, so there's five teams in the mix for Nico right now, so I think he's definitely gone. Uh, I do not understand what Bournemouth is waiting on. Like, they should be buying that Phillips. They have serious quality and serious depth issues um, outside of their outside of their attack. Like, like, the Nat Phillips thing is, like, I don't know what they're doing. But anyway... I think that'll go too. I don't know if it's going to be by the time we talk next week or not. Um, and I don't think we're done in this window. I think we're buying at least one more player. And I think it will be a sizable fee. I think it will be a big player coming in. Damn. Okay. Well, it sounds good to me. It sounds like a game plan. Uh, so next week, we will look at a couple other players, uh, kind of like see what we see in the future for them. Meanwhile, Paul, what should people be doing? You should be liking and subscribing. <laughs> There we go. We got to get this thing down. We're going to get this thing down. Uh, we might have to get Paul a couple of beers first, but either way, it's going to happen. Yep. Definitely give us a like and share and definitely go to the YouTube channel and give us subscribe to us over there. Uh, we're counting down like two, three weeks left over here before we launch the full spiel and you get even more of Bickler, Galley, and Timuchin. Just what you guys wanted, probably. Well, everybody... 
Thanks again for listening, joining in and chiming in. See you guys same time next week. Take care.